What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder here from Silver Black Pride. I'm here with my friend Jeff Hartman from Behind the Steel Curtain to give you guys a little preview of the Raiders-Steelers game on Sunday. Now, as a reminder, we're still doing our Behind Enemy Lines or Five Questions with the opponent articles. So if there's anything Jeff and I don't cover on here, we'll cover on the written side of the things later in the week. Anyways, Jeff, thank you for coming on, man. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Is there a more traditional or classic matchup than Raiders Steelers. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that when you talk about traditional matchups. I know. I mean, you were going back to what, like the, the beginning of the NFL days, right? Pretty much uh, from the get go, the Raiders and Steelers have been rivals and whatnot that numerous times in the playoffs. Oh, absolutely. The original AFC and all those playoff matchups and accusations of icing the field and the immaculate reception that even bleeds into modern day where the Raiders have yeah. had the Steelers number in Oakland at the time, like Terrell Pryor beating the Steelers. <laughs> I mean, just these weird games. The, the 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 rivalry still exists, in my opinion. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it is a. I hate using the cliche because it is such a cliche now. The uh, the old throw out the record books when these two teams play each other, right? Like, it doesn't really matter. I mean, I remember the last uh, one of the, or I guess it wasn't one of the last Raider games I went to, but um, in two thousand, what was it, nineteen or eighteen, when they played, the Raiders were terrible playing the Steelers that were would go on to be a playoff team and Big Ben got hurt and the whole broken x-ray machine and the Ra- like, oh yeah you know like I said the Raiders were a four and 12 team and one of those wins was against the Steelers so always a fun matchup yeah and even in Pittsburgh like the Bruce Gradkowski game where uh, yeah I believe he led the Raiders to a victory at Heinz Field and that's where they're playing this week and week two I'm excited to talk about it let's get to it yeah man well yeah let's get started just kind of looking at the big picture I mean now that we had the full offseason, the preseason, the regular season game where the Steelers even won. How are you feeling about them this year? Are you kind of still expecting the Steelers to, to win the AFC North and be a Super Bowl contender? I did predict the Steelers to be a double-digit win team. I'm not sure if that's going to be good enough to win the AFC North. I am someone that thinks that the AFC North is one of, if not the best divisions in all of football. Sure. Um, most will compare, say, the NFC West is, uh, is comparable. But uh, for me... The Steelers are still a mystery in a lot of ways, especially yeah. on offense. You watch the game against Buffalo in week one. Yes, it's on the road. It's a tough place to play. Buffalo is a very good team. But, boy, the offense was non-existent for, two, mm-hmm. for the first half. The Steelers need some consistency. They need consistency running the ball. They couldn't do that in Buffalo for a lot of reasons. Roethlisberger was rusty to start. I don't know how much of that we chalk up to week one, just being week one and people still getting like knocking the rust off and, and how much we say is, is there cause for concern? So there's a lot of questions still with the Steelers. The fan base is super pumped. They won that week one game. I have some, I, I'm definitely have my reservations heading into week two. I think the Raiders are going to be a lot tougher than people think. And uh, we'll see what the Steelers are made of. Yeah. I mean, you, I think you hit the nail right on the head, like the, the Raiders being a tough route than people realize. I don't know a whole lot of people. I know it wasn't like a clean slate of picking the Ravens last night or on Monday night, but I mean, let's be honest, like the Raiders just came into that game as underdogs. And I think they impress a lot of people, but I do have to ask you before we move on to getting into more specifics with the Steelers, are you worried about the Browns and the Ravens at all? Or I guess more specifically, are you worried about the Browns? Cause obviously they're kind of that up and coming team. Yeah, the Browns, I mean, I, I did get to watch a good bit of the Browns-Chiefs game in week mm-hmm. one. Uh, definitely a much improved roster. Uh, they're doing it the right way, finally. And it only took them like <laughs> two decades, but they're finally doing it the right way. They're making good decisions. It seems like they have a good coach in Stefanski. And the Ravens are still, and they're always going to be a concern, they're just ravished with injuries. I mean, it's insane. I think they lost another offensive lineman on Monday Night Football to a knee injury. He was placed on injured reserve today. 
I mean, they're kicking the tires on Le'Veon Bell and a couple <laughs> other running backs. I mean, it, it's insane the injuries they've sustained, but they still have a really talented roster. And you saw that on Monday Night Football. They didn't win the game, but they have a ton of potential. There is no easy win, even when you throw in Cincinnati, in my opinion, with Joe Burrow and that young roster. They have a lot of exciting players there. Uh, the AFC North is going to be very difficult. Like I said, I'm not predicting the Steelers to win the division. I think they're going to be competitive, but um, it's tough to win that division. We'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean, no doubt, no doubt. So I want to start off talking about Ben Roethlisberger. There's kind of no doubt he wasn't the same player last year, especially down the stretch of the season. Um, I think you talked about it a little bit at the top of your, what we were talking about on the show. But I'm curious, do you think his age and the injuries are starting to catch up with him? Or are you confident he'll be able to bounce back? Or either way, kind of what makes you think that? Well, it's interesting. It depends on who you talk to. Last season, obviously, he was coming off of that reconstructive elbow surgery, which he had in 2019. No one knew what his arm strength was going to be. I don't think that was the injury that that really ham, you know, hamstrung him, so to speak. It was his, I think he had knee injuries. I think he had some injuries to his lower body that were causing him to have to really throw with all arms. And that's anyone that knows the mechanics of throwing any object. Uh, that's a big ask of someone that's been doing it for as long as Ben Roethlisberger has. Uh, I think that he is healthy coming into this season. Can he stay healthy behind that offensive line? That's a big question mark. Does he have the skills to still win games? Absolutely. I think he still has the escapability in the pocket. He's never been a guy that's going to run like uh, like a Josh Allen does or a Patrick Mahomes does uh, or even a Derek Carr does. He's a guy that is going to want to be in the pocket. If he has to elude a couple pass rushers, he will. He's always going to have his eyes downfield to throw. Um, like I said, he looked a little rusty in the first half. Second half, they kind of got it together. Uh, we'll see what we'll, we'll see how it goes. He's just like the rest of the offense. It's kind of a question mark at this point. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I definitely hear where you're at. You know, obviously I wasn't watching that game as tentatively, but tuning in on red zone and it kind of seemed like that. So I'm curious, is there something that like you saw from him in week one that was improved from last year or the kind of the other way around something that was an area of concern last year that you continued to see in week one. I'm just curious if, uh, you know, about his progression and whatnot and getting back. Well, if I think back to week one last season in 2020, they started on Monday night football, the early game against the New York right. giants at MedLife stadium. And they won that game. He was very inconsistent. Uh, and I thought that that carried over into week one this season. He's very inconsistent. He missed on some throws that were just very elementary, easy throws. I'm talking checkdowns to Najee Harris. Mm -hmm. uh, he missed on Deontay Johnson was pretty open. I mean, he, and he missed him by a wide margin. It, it sailed over his head. I think to me, and, and, if he's going to follow that same path as he did in 2020, he will get it right. I think it's just a matter of him getting out there and getting game reps. This is a guy that only played, I want to say, in maybe 16 plays in the preseason. They had four preseason yeah. games this year with <laughs> the Hall of Fame game. He's he's an aging player. You don't want to put him out there and risk injury. But at the same time, I get how he's going to have to kind of get acclimated. He has a brand new offensive line and that offensive line, even, you know, they had to put Zach Banner on who, who was their slotted starter at right tackle. He's on IR. He's not ready to return. He's playing with a new center. No more Marquise Pouncey. David DeCastro has gone. Alejandro Villanueva is now on the Ravens. Ramon Foster's gone, a mainstay at left guard. It, it literally is a work in progress, and it's going to take some time. Yeah, well, you kind of bring up a point that I wanted to definitely talk, touch on, and that's, you know, talking about the guys in the trenches, right, for the Steelers. Like, you talked about a lot about, like, the, the changes they have had up front and whatnot, and I feel like the Raiders and the Steelers kind of have similar situations where there's been a lot's been made about the Raiders' changes up front, right? They're lost. You know, if you compare week one to, of 2020 to week one of last night or Monday night, 
you know, there's four new guys up, up, up front for the Raiders, but I do kind of feel like that's been a little bit overblown. So I'm curious if you feel that same way about the Steelers and it kind of sounds like you don't, how do you feel about the Steelers up front? I, they, like I said, they, they, they meaning the offensive line right. have just not had the physical repetitions together for anyone that is an unbiased, actually watching the games has a brain between their ears <laughs> can say like, this group is going to be fine. It, yeah. it, it is literally, they've practiced together since the last preseason game, but this was their first time playing a full four quarters. Now, if I'm going to draw conclusions from the second half and say, this is going to dictate how they're going to play in week two, then I like the, the trajectory that they're heading because they finished the game better than they started the game. They're also going to be at home. So they're not going to have to deal with the crowd noise. And Buffalo was rocking last <laughs> Sunday. So, uh, and, and for a young, a sort of rookie center, a rookie left tackle, and Mike Tomlin in his press conference on Tuesday, he even brought it up. He said the fact that they didn't have any false starts none of those like that's a that was a big plus for the Steelers on the road with those rookies and on the offensive line so um if that's the trajectory the second half I I like where they're heading but I don't think it's going to be a smooth road it's going to be there's going to be some bumps in the road we'll put it that way yeah no I hear I hear you definitely I mean Raiders kind of had that experience last night you know there are a few moments last uh last night where on Monday Night Football where Ravens off defensive line was kind of able to dominate almost everybody on the the Raiders O-line so I feel you on the growing pains and I feel like we talked a lot about kind of the pass protection, but how have they kind of, how have the Steelers looked up front as far as like making a creating rushing lanes for Najee Harris and whatnot? Well, this is something that we highlighted on behind the steel curtain.com. Um, we have several writers who are film film room guys that like to break down the film. And it, really just when you're watching the game, you're watching Najee Harris, he's getting stuffed and they hit in the backfield gain of one gain of two gain of four, maybe. And they just could never get anything going. And you're wondering, Oh my gosh, the offensive line, if there was going to be one calling card, and this was what was being told to fans, what was being reported out of camp and mini camp and training, all that stuff was Adrian Clem, the new offensive line coach, was teaching and preaching aggressiveness. Be aggressive. Go out there and knock the other guy in the mouth. The problem is we weren't seeing it on Sunday in Buffalo. (laughs) Well, that's based on the fact of what Buffalo was doing. When you break down the film, I'm not this guy. I'm speaking for my writers. Uh, (laughs) You can see they loaded the box with sometimes 10 players daring the Steelers to throw it down the field. And there were times where the play was blocked perfectly but they had those extra defenders there. It kind of made you wonder why are they not checking out of the run? But uh, you know, Matt Canada, new offensive coordinator, he wants to stick with the run. He wants to open up play action, which they did later in the game. Had success with that too, by the way, with some RPOs, something Roethlisberger's never been too comfortable with. Uh, but the offensive line in, the, in terms of running, run blocking, I think that's going to improve being at home. And if they can get the passing game going, it's going to open up the run. That sounds counterintuitive, but that's how the Steelers are going to have to approach it. Defenses are going to be aggressive. They're going to load the box and we're going to take away your little dink and dunk passes. And we're going to stop the run at the same time. You're going to have to beat us downfield. If they can do that early, Najee Harris can break big plays. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, uh, definitely after watching the Raiders run defense last night, you know, they gave up 189 yards uh, to the Ravens on the ground, which granted Lamar Jackson, you know, plays a big factor in that. I mean, it's, it'll yeah. be an interesting battle to see the uh, Steelers that are young up front against the Raiders offensive line or Raiders defensive line that at least for right now appears to be weak against the run. The, the Ravens and, do that to a lot of people, by the yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Very true. Very true. Yeah. I, I was, it's funny. I was writing an article about it and I put like talking about the run defense and I'm like, 
looking at him like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm worried about it. Like, you know, the Raiders, it's never been a strength for them going back to last year and, you know, to then see them, the, another team have success at it. But uh, yeah, the Ravens are a whole nother animal, yes, but I am curious, absolutely. you know, after watching guys like Yannick and Gakwe and Max Crosby uh, on Monday night football, is there a matchup or all you think that the Raiders might have an advantage of on the edges out there? The edges is where they're going to have the matchups. Uh, when you think about who the Steelers are deploying on the interior, you know, you're talking about their strength is going to be Trey Turner at right guard, Kevin Dotson, second year player at left guard, and Kendrick Green, believe it or not, is holding his own, even though he's a center, a third round pick out of Illinois at, at center. But Chuksa Korfor, who was slated to be left tackle, went back to his position he had played last season at right tackle. Dan Moore Jr., fourth-round pick, rookie, left tackle. He looked like a turnstile a couple times against Buffalo. <laughs> if they're going to attack the Steelers, it's going to be on the edges. I just feel like that's where uh, their weaknesses lie. That you don't. Yes, you can get pressure up the middle. I'm not saying that they're perfect in that area, but if the if there's a matchup issue, it's going to be on the it's going to be on the edge, primarily against the the rookie left tackle. But Dan Moore improved a little bit in the second half. But it, yeah, if you're looking for an advantage, there it is. Awesome. Well, I tell you what. Hopefully, uh, Yannick Ngakwe stays healthy then and uh, is ready to go because it was fun to watch on the the Raiders finally have a pass rush after about three years of of just crying over Kolo Max. So I'm uh, <laughs> excited to hear you say that, that that it might be facing some weak tackles next week. I'm excited now, but yeah, sorry, sorry, for, sorry for your, your part on that. One. That's but okay. anyway, let's, uh, all right, let's flip sides, sides of the ball here. The Steelers defense, I mean, top to bottom is a jug- juggernaut. I'm just curious, how do you attack, attack them? And like, where have you seen teams have success against them? Well, obviously it's not very often, but is there a weakness in this, uh, this defense? Yeah, yes, you have to be very calculated with how you do it, though. Uh, the Steelers are elite in on defense. And I'm, I'm yeah. not saying that as a homer. Anyone that watches them play, you oh, see no that they're, they're talented from top to bottom. And I actually would say that they're, this defense is better than last year's. And last year was a top three unit. When you add okay. Devin Bush back, who tore his ACL early in the season, you bring in Joe Schobert, another good coverage uh, linebacker in the middle. You bring in Melvin Ingram, um, who is still <laughs> wreaking havoc at his age. I couldn't, I still can't believe he was just sitting there as a free agent. No one wanted him. Yeah. Alex Highsmith, second year pass rusher. TJ Watt is a freak. We know that. And he mm-hmm. deserved every bit of that contract he earned. Yeah. A rich freak. One. Yes. Um, and then you have guys like Cam Hayward, who he, he kind of just goes under the radar, but he dominates. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go go back, you want to watch something fun, watch, go back and watch the Steelers, <laughs> Bills, just go when the Bills have the ball and watch Cam Hayward completely steamroll offensive line. I mean, he <laughs> was living in Josh Allen's lap. It was fun to watch, but if you're going to attack this Steelers defense, you have to get him in sub packages and you actually want to run the football. And that's not easy for a lot of teams to do. You have to have a very talented offensive line that can, you don't need those extra blockers. So if you can go four or five wide, force the Steelers into their dime, that's when they can be run on. They were run on in the waning minutes of the game against Buffalo. I'm not really going to count that as kind of garbage time, but still in the past under Keith Butler, defensive coordinator, that's when the Steelers have had issues getting those linebackers off the field. They bring in an extra defensive back. They go light. You, if you, if the Steelers opponent, whoever that is, in this case, the Raiders, if they can run the football in those packages, that's how you slow down the Steelers by controlling the clock, keeping the defense on the field and you wear down the pass rush. Cause that's their, that's their calling card is getting after the quarterback. Well, gotcha. I mean, you bring up the pass rush and you brought up guys like Melvin Ingram and Alex Highsmith. So I'm kind of curious, you know, 
obviously probably the biggest su- subtraction or loss for the for Pittsburgh's defense and probably just overall has to be Bud Dupree. So I'm I'm curious, you know, what are they kind of missing with that Bud Dupree? And what are your thoughts on like Malvin Ingram and Alex Heisman? That's a replace, replacement. You sounded pretty high on him. Well, if week one was any indication, the answer to your question about Bud Dupree is what do they miss? And the answer is not much. I mean, <laughs> between Ingram and Highsmith, they they were putting pressure on the quarterback. And Dupree was a good player. I'm not here to, to say anything right. bad about him. But those two guys, and having the, the, the trio of Watt, Ingram, and, and Highsmith, and they rotated them out so everyone stayed fresh. It was something the Steelers fans haven't seen because you always had Watt and Dupree. And even before that, you had guys like Lamar Woodley and James Harris and Joey Porter Clark. You always had those two bookends, never three. Now they have three. This is unique. And Mike Tomlin on Tuesday even said that you might even see a situation where all three are on the field at the same time. Hmm. That would be exciting as a Steeler fan to see what they do in that package. We haven't seen it yet, but still Melvin Ingram has been and Mike Tomlin in, in training camp called him a bully. And he is. He was literally bullying the offensive line of the Buffalo Bills, which isn't a bad line, by the way. I mean, he's again, the Steelers didn't blitz in Buffalo. I think they blitzed twice and they were all over Josh Allen the entire game. They've got pressure with their front four like that was it. But, you know, you bring up players lost. In my opinion, the player that they missed the most isn't Bud Dupree. It's Mike Hilton in the slot. Okay, And Mike Hilton, who went to Cincinnati. He was a slot cornerback. He was an unbelievable blitzer off the edge. He knew how to time the blitz. I mean, almost to perfection. They have not found that nickel cornerback. They, they disguised it in week one with a rookie seventh round pick, Trey Norwood. Minka Fitzpatrick played in the slot a little bit. They definitely mixed things up in the slot. I don't think they have their answer. I don't think they will. Mike Hilton is probably the biggest loss the Steelers have had on that defense, believe it or not. So and then I'm curious then, you know, as far as uh, attacking the secondary, you know, I kind of think of the guys like Joe Hayden, Mika Fitzpatrick that, you know, maybe cover up some of the, the flaws out there that you're talking about. So is there a matchup in the secondary, um, you know, Raiders wide receivers to, to Steelers DBs that you think might favor the Raiders? Would it be maybe a, a Hunter Renfro in the slot where you're, like you're talking about? Yeah, that the slot is typically where they want to attack the Steelers, especially if they can get a linebacker or even a safety not named Minka Fitzpatrick on that player. So if they can get Terrell Edmonds schemed up over him, Terrell Edmonds is a great athlete, but he's he's not a playmaker. He is a I'm going to do my job. I'm going to make the tackle. I'm going to catch the I'm going to tackle the catch as as they call it. They're not. <laughs> he's not going to make a play on the ball. Minka Fitzpatrick is a different beast. Most quarterbacks don't want to throw it anywhere near him. Um, but other than that, I mean, the Steelers, that's where I would attack if I'm trying to attack them in the passing game. And that's where Darren Waller becomes a big, oh, my gosh, like this is this is right. a different beast. The Steelers have had issues covering tight ends, and this goes way beyond like Rob Gronkowski <laughs> abusing them repeatedly in big games. Even go back to last season against Denver. I think it was Noah Fan had a big game, and and it was it was uh, Devin Bush, the inside linebacker, who couldn't hang with him. The Steelers are going to have to be creative with how they approach this upcoming challenge with Renfro and Waller and some of the other weapons that they have. It's not going to be easy, and that's something I've been trying to tell Steeler fans because they're on <laughs> cloud nine right now. I was like, this right. is going to be a tough game, and the yeah. Steelers' defense is going to have to be creative. That's what they were in Buffalo. Buffalo wasn't ready for the Steelers to do some of the things that they did in the secondary. They mixed it up. They had Minka in the slot and they put Trey Norwood, the rookie at safety. And you could see Josh Allen beg, wait a second. This is not what they're supposed to be doing. This 
changes everything. And it was all to get Stefan Diggs out of the game. I'm curious how they're, they're going to do something similar, not the exact same thing, but something similar to try and slow down Waller. You're not going to, the guy had 19 right. targets. My gosh, you're <laughs> not going to stop him. Yeah. You just have to slow him down and limit the big play. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. I mean, so that kind of leads me to, to what we were talking about before or what you're talking about a full four of like, um, you know, for the Raiders, obviously the best player is going to be Darren Waller. You know, what it, what it is, do you, or what do you think the, the Steelers point of attack will be, is that going to be, you know, a Minka Fitzpatrick? Or are they going to try and do some of these coverages as you're talking about? You know, I'm curious. I'm always curious of how people are attacking the Raiders superstar. I think that it's, it's going to be a combination of players. that's going to have to do it. It's not just going to be one player. For instance, right. it might be someone like Devin Bush who has the underneath coverage on Waller. And then basically are telling, is he saying, okay, Carr, you're going to have to make that perfect throw over top of the linebacker and underneath one of the best safeties in the game and Minka Fitzpatrick. Can you make that throw? If you can, congratulations. That's a great throw. Great play. You know, you deserve it. Mm-hmm. But if not, if you make a mistake, Minka is going to make you pay. And, and Devin Bush can do the same. If he, if he misses underneath, it's, it's so tough because they use Waller in so many different ways. It's not just like he's you know, go back to Gronk. I mean, Gronk would go out <laughs> wide, but he was also more of an inline tight end. And he's definitely not even like a Jimmy Graham who was anything but a tight end. I think it was Mike Tomlin in his press conference. It said Waller's more of a chase Claypool than he is a tight end. And chase Claypool is big. He's six, yeah. 245 pounds. Um, I think Waller is bigger than that, but still, I mean, in terms of, the size, the speed, he's a unique beast and it's going to be a challenge. And, and the Steelers defense is going to be tested with him and this offense. I think this offense is really good. I think it's underrated. I thought the Raiders were going to be a potential playoff team this year, believe it or not coming into the season. And that offense is a large reason why. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely, uh, definitely hear you on that part. I definitely felt feel like this Raiders offense kind of flies under the radar. Like we're talking about before. I feel like people are making too much of a big deal about the offensive line and whatnot. And I mean, I am on board with the Raiders making the playoffs. I mean, I think, uh, in my lifetime, they probably made it like five times. I'm like 28. So (laughs) I missed the postseason. So, all right. Well, last question. Um, I'm just kind of curious, man, is there an under the radar player that, you know, you would think would put the that Raider fans who you think should um, know about and whatnot, especially on Pittsburgh's defense or anything like that, that could end up surprising us. Yeah, for sure. I'll give you uh, an offense and defensive player. Defensively, I would say an under the radar player is Cam Sutton. He was a he's a cornerback who is very versatile. Um, he can play inside. He can play outside. They've been flexing him around. Uh, they did it last year. They're doing it again this year. He's going to probably start outside. If they go into their dime package, he'll go to his typical dime backer role. They bring in James Pierre off the bench uh, to take the outside. So he's a guy that's always moving around, made some really key plays against Buffalo, but a lot of people don't know him. They, he just, he, he has great ball skills as well. He's a good coverage cornerback. And so Cam Sutton, I would definitely say is a player to watch on the defensive side. That's kind of under the radar offensively. I'm going to say that I think that for the Steelers, it's rookie tight end Pat Fryermuth out of Penn state. Um, okay. he did have one catch, I believe for 24 yards against Buffalo, but he always has the feel of a player that they're just like, he's there that they're keeping him on the back burner. They're waiting to really unleash this weapon. He is a weapon. He can block, but he's a, a vertical threat. He's a red zone threat. I would say, watch out for Pat Fryermuth on offense, even though Eric Ebron might be the number one tight end and he's very athletic and good. I would say Fryermuth is that under the radar player you were talking about. Awesome, Jeff. I really appreciate it. Really appreciate you uh, giving us some of your time to to uh, 
know the enemy a little bit, scout the Steelers. So I'll tell you what, uh, where can the, uh, the people find you out on social media? Sure. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at J Hartman, H A R T M A N underscore P I T. If you want to follow our work, it's at behind the steel curtain.com or BT steel curtain. That's our uh, verified Twitter account. So you can check us out there. We have some great content that I'm sure even Raiders fans will enjoy if they want to get to see what's going on in the Steelers side of things leading up to the game. So check it out. Absolutely. I mean, we're all, we're all football. We're all NFL fans here. So you guys know where to find me, Adam Holder 95, of course, at Silver and Black Pride. Other than that, until next time, guys.